Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Jackman Radio. I'm your host, Mike Jackman, and uh, riding solo today, burning the news, uh, covering some reviews, and uh, hopefully at 5.30 I'll be having a friend of mine uh, joining to make an announcement about an upcoming comedy show, perhaps. Uh, but, you know, as always, a lot going on in the world. Uh, I wanted to start, though. I, I finally got around to uh, watching the Elvis movie. Uh, directed by Boz Lerman, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was really well made and, uh, you know, very entertaining. Um, you know, initially when I watched the trailers, you know, when those came out before the movie, they had, you know, Tom Hanks as uh, Colonel Parker there, Elvis's uh, somewhat seedy and corrupt manager, and, he, and the accent kind of threw me off. I was like, God, this looks ridiculous. The, the, he's like a He's like a Dutch dude who pretended to be like in the military and, you know, kind of embedded himself in Elvis's life when he was like 20 years old. And, you know, you could say there wouldn't be any Elvis without uh, Colonel Parker. And that's probably true. Uh, but the movie really almost tells it from Colonel Parker's perspective, which is kind of interesting. Um, but the guy they had playing Elvis, uh, I thought, did a fantastic job. Um, I think his name's Aaron Butler or I forget the actor's name who played Elvis, but. I'd never heard of him before, but he really got the look and the voice and all the mannerisms down really well. And, you know, was a pretty sympathetic character. You know, I've never really been big into Elvis or followed, you know, um, a lot of his music growing up. Well, obviously, you know, he passed before I was born, but, you know, I grew up, you know, big into the Beatles and other older acts that were around before I was around. But I never really did a deep dive into Elvis, so I'm starting to kind of listen to him more and I've got a few friends who were uh, big Elvis fans, and uh, the whole time I was thinking about my friend Crystal. Hello, Crystal, if you're watching or listening. Um, you're probably the biggest Elvis fan that I can think of, next to uh, our other friend Charmaine. Um, and, you know, I played a gig. Uh, Charmaine hired us for a party uh, at her house um, to have my band play. And after we were done playing, we got to hang out and uh, chat and listen to Elvis for like an hour, which was really cool. So I mean, kind of getting more into him and really digging the, uh, you know, some of the, the, the bigger hits like, uh, you know, Hound Dog and Jailhouse Rock and, um, you know, Suspicious Minds. I really like that one. So we might even learn uh, an Elvis song or two. Certainly I would like to learn one uh, for Crystal. She's been a friend of the, the show for a while and is a huge Elvis fan. She actually went to, Graceland a couple years ago and I had another friend uh, Justin who went to Graceland and they both said it was you know a fantastic experience an emotional experience you put on these headphones and you do like a self-guided tour you know you go to the jungle room you go uh, I think you see a TV that was that had a bullet hole in it or something like that so you know it's just it's a vast story I mean when you think about it uh, if Elvis were around he would basically be Ron Paul's age I'm pretty sure they were born the same year 1935. So Ron Paul still kicking, you know, took really good care of himself. Uh, you can see there in the Elvis movie, God, he had a bunch of, bunch of hanger ons around him and a bunch of people just keeping him drugged up and the, the pressure of trying to perform and make everybody happy and all the people he had on his payroll. It's freaking crazy. Let's see what we're going to be taking chats all day here today. Well, not all day, but throughout the stream, IB Denmark. Good to see you, IB. I like the king. We love the king. We love the crown. Uh, the English crown, not so much. You know, the queen, uh, 
we heard that she finally shuffled off this Myrtle Coil. And I bet Muhammad Fayed's pretty happy about that at this point. He's probably there and his, uh, his uh, you know, French, uh, you know, terrorist, probably pretty happy and breathing a sigh of relief at this point that uh, there's one lizard left that can uh, fuck with the world. But uh, we'll see what happens. That was a terrible thing, by the way, when Princess Diana, when she died. I mean, they killed one of the only good ones. She was one of the only good ones. But it was uh, interesting when we were talking with um, Maria Farmer when we did a stream with her, I think that was last year. And she was basically telling us, you know, during her, her year or year and a half when she was involved in the whole Epstein Maxwell thing that, uh, you know, Glenn told her that they used to basically bully princess Diana. They used to make fun of her and bully her and mock her. And I could see that, you know, you could tell that Diana was, was probably a decent person deep down and she really cared about humanity and, yeah, she was a princess, and the, the whole very idea of the the royal family is, is uh, you know, it's disgusting. I mean, we don't really like it and support it, but she was one of the good ones. And I did try to, I moved on her. I did try to hit on her. I asked her out on a date many times. I talked about her on Howard Stern, but uh, nothing seemed to work. And I think if she had gone out with me, if she had moved to Trump Tower, she never would have been in France in that tunnel, and it never would have happened, okay? Iran would not be doing this thing with the with the, the, the head shawls and the burkas. They wouldn't be trying to get the nukes and the binga banga, and none of this would have happened if Diana had dated me. I probably would have gotten reelected in 2020 if she just said yes, but you never know. Thanks, IB. Carmen Smith-Studer. Carmen, how you doing? Nice to see you. Yes, IB, Denmark, the king, Ryan Dawson. I think actually Ryan uh, Ryan just had Scott Ritter on, which, which would be an interesting, uh, an interesting episode. Scott Ritter actually spoke at my uh, alma mater um, at Keene State College in Keene, New Hampshire, when I was a, uh, I think a sophomore. I think I was a sophomore when uh, when he spoke, and um, I was able to ask him a question actually about the Pakistani intelligence connections to terrorist financing, and he was he seemed pretty interested and piqued up by that question. But certainly, uh, you know, the government didn't want to listen to Ritter when he talked about the weapons of mass destruction or lack thereof, and uh, lo and behold, you know, here we are, all these years later. Carmen Smith Stuter, you make me smile. You make me smile. You make Eric smile, too. He's a big fan of yours, by the way. But uh, he's tied up right now doing some stuff. Uh, he's doing stuff on the Internet with Baron and the Binga Benga Bunga 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 on the uh, the computers. Baron's really good with computers. He's really good with uh, software. Uh, Melania, she's better with, like, cyber. And uh, I think we should shut the Internet down. We're going to have to look at shutting down parts of the Internet because these terrorists, they want to hook up with their girlfriends. And we're not going to let them hook up with the girlfriends. We're going to kill the girlfriends. We're going to kill all the families back at their homes, okay? We're going to bomb Iran. We're going to kill all the generals that we want to kill. And it's going to be tremendous, quite frankly. But uh, I wanted to touch on, um, you know, what's going on in Iran. Obviously, that's awful. Um, you know, forcing women to wear any kind of clothing or garb that they don't want to wear. Um, but I think, you know, that's part of a bigger issue of, you know, blowback from unintended consequences um, from what happened in 1953. And I highly recommend everybody to read the 2008 book by Stephen Kinzer, All the Shah's Men, which is about the overthrow um, that our CIA did at the behest of the British 
uh, because basically the leader of Iran at that time was a democratically elected fellow named Mohammad Mosaddegh. Churchill hated him. The British hated him. And I think they hated him probably because he wanted to nationalize the oil. And I think that's the direction he was going in, or he actually, in fact, did that. So that wasn't going to work for the British oil company. So they got the CIA, who was still pretty young at that time. You know, this would have been 1953. So the CIA would have been, you know, not even 10 yet. Still a, uh, a fussy, fussy eight-year-old or something like that. Maybe a, when was the CIA formed? 1947, maybe? Three. So maybe like the CIA was just a six-year-old. They weren't really sure what they were doing, but... They had a budget of $100,000 and led by the brave Kermit Roosevelt, the grandson of uh, Franklin Roosevelt, they launched the coup. And if you read Kinzer's book, man, the, the, the story is just wild. Like, obviously, it's, it's horrific, you know, going into another country and removing a democratically elected leader. God, I wonder if, where I've heard that one before. Um, you know, and thinking that nothing bad's going to come of it or happen. But if you look at the atmosphere... Um, in you know Iran, and what's happened since then? You had 1979. Um, you know, they they had everything that went on, you know, there. But but what happened was a direct result of of what you know our actions in 1953 led to, and it wasn't good. It wasn't it wasn't good. I mean, I think we were worried probably at that time. And this you know a lot of this is Kinzer's work, and I've had Stephen Kinzer on before. He, he's one of my favorite guests. I'd love to have him on again. You know, brilliant dude. I mean, a journalist who worked and traveled in 50 different countries uh, has done some really great work and, you know, knows this stuff inside and out. You know, but basically what Kinzer told me was that the we were afraid that the Russians uh, were going to launch the coup before us. So we couldn't have that happen because we certainly didn't want, you know, Iran going, you know, the way of the Soviet Union, which, you know, from a power structure, I guess, makes a certain amount of sense, but we launched the coup and, you know, we would, uh, we'd arm the, we would, you know, arm and kind of work up these groups to go onto the street to do these protests. And then we would also rile up the counter protesters. So we had all these groups that were just like all worked up and fighting each other. And, and they didn't even realize that they were both being puppeteered by us and the British, which is kind of funny when you think about, it. I mean, it's disturbing, but you know, it was one of our early coups, so it's kind of a comedy of errors. We were kind of finding our feet and our footing, and it's led to a very fruitful, um, you know, nearly 60, no, nearly 70 years of, of coups since then. And they've all worked out really well, and uh, none of them have ever blown back or, you know, uh, had something bad happen as a result of them. So basically, Iran's in the news, um, like I said earlier, uh, with the religious garb that women are made to wear over there, which I agree is atrocious. I don't agree with that. I don't think any religious doctrine should tell human beings anywhere on planet Earth what they can wear and what they can't wear. And one of, um, you know, a young citizen of Iran was, according to news reports, protesting that and uh, was detained by the authorities because um, apparently they have a almost like a Stasi-like group that roams the streets of Iran, uh, you know, keeping track of <laughs> of protesting and of, of uh, you know, women's responses to all the uh, all the archaic and draconian laws and rules that they have, you know, with respect to that. And they picked her up 
And what we know is she died in custody um, a few days later. So there's some dispute uh, as to why she was picked up. But uh, regardless, I mean, it's it's horrific what, hap what happened, and we don't support that. But I think the larger discussion has to be, you know, uh, now that Iran's in the news, you know, th these this couple of days, the larger discussion has to be about the sanctions that we have going on over there that have killed thousands of people, our posturing, you know, when uh, Trump was president and we, you know, assassinated the uh, general who was basically like, you know, think about if if like a high-ranking U.S. general was assassinated by a foreign country, you know, and they were they were doing some kind of tour in Canada or Mexico, and another country came in and, and turned them into a smudge. You know, how would we feel about that? That that's that was one of the moments in the King's presidency that I was like, oh shit, this is really bad. Like I was really worried, but of course after that, tensions seemed to calm down a little bit. But it, it really didn't help things, and overall. You know, uh, the military industrial complex, our media, they've been saber rattling against Iran as far back as I can remember, you know, when I started paying attention during the Bush years. So it's really part of the course. And this story is to, of course, whip up anti-Iran fervor. And what people have to realize is most regular people in Iran don't, you know, necessarily hate the West. They don't want war with us. They want to live their lives. It's a huge country. It's a modern country. Um, you know, it's not this cartoonish imagery of, uh, you know, like a, Aladdin and Arabian Nights and a, a bunch of like, you know, uh, terrorists who are in caves or in tents who just want to destroy America. That's been the narrative that, you know, has been pushed on us as far back as I can remember. So obviously a war with Iran would be very bad. Um, a lot of the powers that be and a lot of the neocons and now a lot of the mainstream Democrats, of course, I, I think would, would support that just as they keep support. Uh, going for keeping the war with uh, Russia and the Ukraine going, you know, by continuing to say yes, billions of dollars for weapons and to fund the proxy war. And it's not so much that they care about the Ukrainian people and the people there who are actually suffering. It's that they want a showdown with Russia. And there's even some, you know, in our military and in our media who are, who think that a nuclear exchange would be viable. You know, we can we can launch off a couple of nukes and. You know, that's, uh, you know, a couple of those going off. We could win that. That's a war that we could win. So you see that crazy stuff, you know, in the papers and um, articles. And it's just like, wow. You know, I don't think we've really learned much of anything in the last 20 plus years. So that's going on. That's a lot of fun. And um, I did see a piece of good news Canada is lifting the travel restrictions starting October 1st uh, for the, uh, you know, the mask, the masks on a plane, like snakes on a plane. Apparently enough people in Canada have been complaining to the airlines and to the, you know, travel industry up there. So they're doing that and they're no longer requiring the, uh, the boop boop to uh, get into the country or leave the country. Uh, although I do think uh, if you are up there and you take a test, you have to quarantine if it comes back positive. So um, I had some family who traveled up there recently that ran into some COVID issues and uh, it didn't sound like a lot of fun. So I've been wanting to get back to Canada. Um, I haven't been there since 2011. It's where my father was born. Uh, he's born up in Newfoundland and, you know, um, I would like to scatter his ashes up in Newfoundland at some point. So Hopefully next year, we'll see, fingers crossed. 
But uh, that's that's good news to hear. Um, just had to wait it out. It only took two and a half years to wait it out. Oh, yes. And, of course, over in Italy, we've got uh, based pasta mommy. Eric wanted me to remind everybody of being elected. And, and uh, Chris Hedges wrote a piece basically saying that she's the most far right, most, uh, you know, leader with fascistic tendencies to uh, be elected since World War II. So um, not everybody agrees with Chris Hedges' take. I, I, he's a journalist that I respect very greatly. So he's got a piece. Um, it's either in Mint Press News or uh, I forget which publication. Hedges is, is writing for now, but they they erased all of his stuff when he was uh, working for RT America, of course, along with um, Abby Martin's archive from Breaking the Set and uh, Tyrell Ventura on uh, Watching the Hawks. They did a lot of great work. I mean, obviously, RT America was a, an arm of, uh, you know, the Russian news agency, but, you know, according to them, and I've, we've had them both on the show, Tyrell and Abby, they said they were never interfered with and never told what to report on or not to report on, um, you know, what to say or what not to say. So, and uh, of course, Jesse Ventura, he had a show on there too, The World According to Jesse. Isn't it funny in 2003 when I opposed the Iraq war and I had a gig with MSNBC, they fired me. Well, they, they, bought, well, they bought my contract and didn't allow me on the air. And then my second gig when I was against the war ended at RT America. So basically the body opposed these two wars. And uh, whether it's America waging the war or Russia, he was against the wars, uh, which I agree with. And he was uh, taken off the air in a roundabout way, one way or another. So still not a very popular opinion to be truly anti-war. It's an inter interesting thing to see, see how that plays out. You know, I love it when the squad, man, the, the squad's great in Congress because they just continue to vote for war. So, you know, it's like, okay, go squad. And uh, <laughs> foreign policy aside, um, I got to go to a really fantastic concert last week at the House of Blues in Boston. Our uh, friend of the program, Will Sargent, the uh, co-founder and, and uh, brilliant guitarist and musician, uh, behind Echo and the Bunny Men, who we had on in April, um, hooked us up with really uh, great loge seats, and we got to enjoy the show kind of on like a side balcony, and uh, awesome show. Him and Ian McCulloch and the band did a hell of a job, and it was great to get out and see some live music. The House of Blues is a cool venue. It's right on uh, it's right on Lansdowne Street um, in Boston, basically just underneath Fenway Park. There's like a little balcony that I was sitting on with Eric and we were getting some fresh air um, at a down point in the show. And it's like literally right. I don't think it's behind or under the monster, but it's maybe that's the uh, the bleachers of the grandstand where the big Fenway sign is on Lansdowne, um, which is, you know, overlooking the House of Blues. Like you look up and you're like, wow, that's Fenway Park. And it's right there. So we went to the show, had a great time, enjoyed that. Uh, went with our Uncle Age, who, you know, got us into the band inadvertently, like, over 20 years ago. And uh, our dear friend Erica, the uh, owner of Post and Bean Brewery here in Peterborough, New Hampshire. Um, and so we went and enjoyed the show. And then after the show, um, we were leaving, and I was like, well, we we wanted, we wanted to try and see Will Sargent and hook up with him because we had talked to him on our podcast we did about bringing him some of Post and Beam's beer. They uh, they actually brewed a beer that they named after one of their songs, Nocturnal Me, 
because um, that's what Post and Beam does. They usually have a musical theme for their beers, which is pretty cool. So it was a really tasty, refreshing uh, German-style Kolsch beer that they had called Ice Cap Fire, which uh, you know pertains to lyrics from the song Nocturnal Me. And so Will was like, oh, I'd like to try some of that beer. And I said, hey, when you come to Boston, we'll bring some down for you with the owner. And uh, we got like a, um, a cooler bag and loaded up two, uh, two um, four packs of the cans of the Nocturnal Me beer, drove it down to Boston. And, uh, you know, so after we didn't we couldn't carry it, we couldn't bring it into the venue, obviously. So we kept it in the car and it stayed, you know, stayed cold. And after the show, um, I was kind of walking over with Erica near the um, outside ticket area where the tour bus is on the off chance that Will might be there. And uh, sure as hell, he was there and he was chatting with some other fans and he looked up and he saw me. He was like, where's the beer? <laughs> So that was a cool moment. I said, Will, it's on its way. It's coming. So I called Eric and he grabbed the car because he was uh, up the road getting some bland down street sausage. He was getting some of the famous uh, old lady sausage of Fenway Pack. I think they're only like 12 bucks, but that's a must if you're down there. Whether you're down there for a ball game or you're going to a concert on Lansdowne, um, you got to get the street sausage. You know, you can get the onions and peppers. It's a little bit extra. But when we were going into the show, the lady running the sausage cart was like, I will be here after the show at midnight when you'll come out drunk. And we were like, okay. She was there. So Eric and my uncle were grabbing the sausages. I was going to see Will Sargent with Erica to see what was going on, and it all worked out. It worked out. It was like a beautiful phone call, like you wouldn't believe. So we uh, got to chat with Will, and Eric and my uncle grabbed the car and pulled up with the beer, and we got to enjoy a couple of cold beers Uh on uh you know in boston just a class just like a throwback kind of night you know just a lot of fun people enjoying themselves i think we gave a beer to the keyboardist too uh mike shout out to you mike great to meet you uh but it was awesome to catch up with will and see him again uh it's the first time i had seen the bunnymen since november of 2018 so it had been just about four years so i feel very fortunate uh to to have been able to attend another show and uh, to chat with Will Sargent. So thanks again, Will. We really appreciate it. And we will uh, hopefully see you next time you're around. And I've, I was able to check out the new season five of Cobra Kai, which uh, I thought was really good. I don't know what you guys think about that. Let me take a little sip of water here. But the new season of Cobra Kai, they... Uh, they got all the classics. They got Terry Silver in there, of course. He's really kind of portrayed as the big bad in this season. And they almost kind of make, you know, Crease, who was previously the big bad of the, really of the original trilogy, kind of looming in the shadows after the first one. They made him almost like an anti-hero this season, but he's up to his old tricks. You know, they got him in prison and, I mean, it's totally ridiculous. I mean, it's like... You know, you get people in there who are, who are playing high schoolers. Some of them are probably actually teenagers. Most of them portraying the high schoolers are like in their 20s. So you got these, you know, kids in their 20s, uh, you know, beating up on people in their 50s and 60s and 70s. And, uh, you know, the fights and the stunts are really good. The melodrama, it gets dialed up. Uh, my favorite character, my VIP of the season's Chosen. He was the uh, bad guy in Karate Kid Part 2 over in Japan. 
Um, but he's had a great character arc, you know, lots, there's lots of redemption and a lot of the humor and uh, great scenes from season five involve chosen. So, you know, if you're a fan, you want a good shot of nostalgia, but also with a new thread of the karate kid, you're not going to find anything better than Cobra Kai. Although they did recently announce they're doing another karate kid movie, which I guess has nothing to do with, um, uh, William Zabka and uh, Ralph Macchio. So it's also interesting to see that Cobra Kai is one of the producers is Will Smith. So it, it, that's interesting. I mean, it's people slapping each other. So it does make sense, you know, people hitting each other that Will Smith would be involved in that. So I don't know if they've done an episode of the Red Table yet where him and uh, him and Jada address the slap, but we'll certainly be looking for that. We'll be looking for the reboot of that too. Maybe they could get Chris Rock to play Will Smith and it would be like really ultra meta. That'd be interesting. But Chris Rock's definitely handled the whole thing. He comes out looking the best out of all of it. Even though his Saw film was uh, not so good. We've got a chat here. Forest Mommy. Hi, Forest Mommy. How's it going? We love you. We hope you're having a good week doing your thing out there, you know, wondering if you got any new kind of sparkler ideas, definitely share those. We'd love to have you on to uh, riff on the news and discuss sometime. That'd be a lot of fun. And I've been watching the new Game of Thrones series, House of the Dragon, which I've been enjoying very much. You know, initially I was kind of hesitant. I was like, oh God, I'm just just starting to get over how bad the, the last season of the uh, original series was, or at least the, the finale, or kind of the whole season. There were some cool moments. I mean, the Hound versus the Mountain was was awesome. Um, Sir Jorah's character arc was good. He was one of my favorites. I was definitely bummed that he he didn't make it, but it made sense what how he went out. He went out dying for his queen. He died for his queen. Um, not something Prince Andrew's willing to do, it seems. It seems like Prince Andrew is, uh, you know, he's 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 like ninth in line for the throne. So he's hoping uh, Charles kicks the bucket, and so do the kids. And I heard that uh, actually one of the uh, one of the public over in I think Scotland, when they had some kind of motorcade going, yelled out at Prince Andrew, and he was swiftly arrested. So good for him, man. Anybody who yells at any of them, good on you. The idea of a, of a monarchy and kings and queens is so obscene. It's a bunch of like. You know, a bunch of prunes running around in these costumes, LARPing with these, like, golden scepters, and I don't know. I think anybody who wants to bring up the royals, just post a photo of them with Jimmy Savile and Glenn, you know? Or the nice photo of Prince Andrew walking in Central Park with Jeffrey Epstein when he had to break it off, even though this was after the 2008 conviction and he had uh, been released and everybody knew what he was. Prince Andrew had to go over there in person and stay at his house to break it off because, you know, a phone call or a royal scribe or a, uh, you know, an owl. What, what, what do they have in Harry Potter? Is it an owl? Prince Andrew couldn't couldn't send Epstein an owl breaking it off? Like, I, I, well, I'm a gentleman. I was duty-bound, and, and because I am such a gentleman, I, I had to go there and break it off in person, as it were, because I am so good. I had to tell Jeffrey during our Central Park stroll that, uh, that that I don't sweat and I am going to break it off. So that's good stuff. And uh, there is a Jimmy Savile documentary series on Netflix, which is uh, very dark and disturbing. Um, I haven't watched the Dahmer one, but 
Some people are saying some people are saying the Dahmer one's pretty good. He did a great job when he had that guy's head in his freezer. I mean, nobody keeps severed heads in freezers better than Jeffrey Dahmer, if you can believe it. It's kind of incredible all the uh, Dahmer and Ted Bundy media that that's kind of cropped up and come out in the last three decades, you know, and it's, yeah, it's weird. And how many people are into them too? I mean, I'm not judging, but I don't know. Cannibalism is in vogue, man. It's definitely in vogue. You had Santa Clarita diet. You got the new one with Chalamet coming out. You had uh, the bad batch with uh, Jason Momoa. It seems like there's a real uptick in uh, cannibalism, which is, uh, I don't know, kind of creepy. You know, maybe they're hiding in plain. They're hiding in plain sight, folks. You know, cannibals need love too. They need reality shows. They need Netflix deals. Cannibals need movies. You know, the Hannibal Lecter way of doing things, being civilized, is a little bit dated. So they're going to bring in the young kind of the young hip, uh, non-binary cannibals. That's the way of the future. So that'll that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see. And in uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, we got another chat here from Forest Mommy. We always love hearing from you. You're so good at Alex. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Horace, Mommy. I love you. I want you to come down to Austin. We'll have some barbecue. It's not going to be other humans, but I'll, I'll eat my neighbors if I have to. I'm prepared. If Klaus Schwab's going to come to my house and try and take my guns, I'll eat my neighbors if I have to. The decline, the fall of civilization happens down in Austin. You better believe InfoWars is going to be on the front line of that, folks. I will eat my neighbor's ass if I have to, okay, to protect mine, protect my guns. Go to survivalshield.prisonplanet.infowars.store slash red pill, red pill, blue pill to get 15% off your next purchase. Who else do we? Oh, Fire Pixie. Fire Pixie. Great to see you. We love you, Fire Pixie. We appreciate all your support. P1 Dizzy. P1, does P1 stand for pot one? Pot one Dizzy. Great to see you, P1 Dizzy. And in a few minutes here, we should have uh, my friend and fellow comedian Tim Stone joining us. Uh, if you saw the photo I used for the thumbnail for this uh, stream, we have a uh, we have a couple of comedy shows, a couple of chances to see Eric and I live in October, which is my favorite month. It's my birth month. I love the fall. Um, it's my favorite season. So, you know, we have people who come to New England from all over the world to uh, see our trees and our foliage. So it's always a great time. Um, and Tim is going to be performing at one of the shows with us. Uh, before he joins us, I guess I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the other one. So Eric and I will be doing a live Jackman Radio podcast on Friday, October the 21st at 8 p.m. Um, in Rollinsford, New Hampshire, at a venue called The Shell, which is a basically a liberty uh, alliance, a group of people who are into liberty and freedom and freedom of speech and uh, have a good sense of humor about, you know, <laughs> all the craziness in the world. They've invited us to perform there. I think uh, Robbie the Fire from um, Dave Smith's show has, has performed there, and they've had a couple of comedians and some great liberty events. They, I think that's kind of one of the places that Jeremy Kaufman is running his campaign out of, or he's, he's affiliated with that place. So that's called The Shell. And Rollinsford, New Hampshire, I believe, is kind of up by the seacoast. And uh, I think there's a flyer that, w Eric has told me there's a flyer that's available or will be soon 
but we'll be sure to get all the information on that. I think tickets are maybe $10, and we might have a few guests joining us, but you can expect to see uh, a live podcast, some impressions, some funny stories from the New Hampshire campaign trail. Uh, we'll cover the news, you know, comment on stuff, and just, uh, you know, generally riff back and forth. So that will be uh, that will be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. It's always good to play for an audience that uh, that digs your stuff. Although it is fun to go in somewhere and win an audience over that has never seen you before, or maybe maybe they're a fan of one of the other comics on the bill, um, but they don't know your stuff. So that's cool too. And then the other show, uh, I'm still. Tim was supposed to join me a couple minutes ago. I wanted to wait, um, but we'll go see if we have any other chats here. Let's see. Oh, I think we're caught up on all the chats. Okay. Well, the other comedy show is basically um, the same week. It's going to be on um, Friday. Oh, here he is. Mr. Stone. Hey, what's going on? I'm trying to fuck with light here. <laughs> hey, we're live. <laughs> we're on YouTube. <laughs> oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, I, hey, I drop F-bombs too, man. That's all right. We just... We How are you guys? To... Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> yeah, we're doing well. We've got eight people watching, you know, maybe more. Who knows? Could be more. The algorithms <laughs> lie to us sometimes, Tony. They don't always fake, tell the truth. Fake news. It's all fake news, but I was just about to announce the uh, uh, show at the Swansea Community House on Friday, October 28th. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Heck yeah. Well, uh, we're a few of us, uh, myself and Aaron LaFond, decided to uh, bring some comedy back to the Keene area because we could all use some live entertainment and something to laugh about in this day and age. So um, we got some feedback, some local support with the Swansea center. They have a nice stage over there. They, they loaned it to us for a night and, uh, we went around and handpicked some of the funniest people we could find. And, uh, we got some from Massachusetts, Connecticut, Vermont, and then New Hampshire. And, uh, we're just going to try to have a really good night and, and, and give a good show is what we're going to try to do. Cool. Yeah. Now I understand there's going to be a DJ too. Yeah, oh yeah, DJ Nice Jones, man. Thank you for he's a big part of it. Thank you for bringing up Nice, man, because he's a he's a big part of the of the show. He he gives good interactions, feedback with the the comedians. Yeah, he's gonna be uh, and he's a great DJ on top of that, and so he brings a lot of personality to the venue as well. So, which nice. is awesome for a comedy show. You need as much personality as you can get. So we oh, have yeah. males, females. We have pretty much everything. We run the gamut. We got some dark humor. We got some light humor. I'm really looking forward to 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 what we're bringing to the table. A lot of a lot of great and the local legends and yourself too. So, I, I don't know if you've ever been to your own shows, but 20 minutes with you guys is never a bad thing. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. No, we appreciate you inviting us, Tony, and, and being a part of it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we uh, we got to share the stage back in April for I think that was April. Or was that May for Mother's May, Day? Mother's Day. May, yeah, May. Is that May 10th? Is that, I can't even remember what I what today is, but. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. We performed with uh, Tim up in Vermont for a Mother's Day show, and that and sold out crowd, great response. And um, yeah, this this venue is cool, man. It's it's like a hundred year old building, and you actually threw a really cool Halloween party there like 
five or six years ago. Is this the same yeah, DJ yeah. who was at the pre, Halloween party? Pre kids. That's when we did that. Pre kids. Uh, pre COVID we and pre kids. Two thousand dollars for that school in Jamaica. We bought a school in Jamaica, windows. And oh, that's we right. Put windows in the building just because we got had a party and got drunk out at this building. So yeah, a lot of that's awesome. it's got a lot of it's got a lot of local lo, local memories there. I'm sure a lot of us have had parties and uh, been to things and events and stuff at this place. It's cool they loaned it out to us. We got a stage and uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to make people laugh. We're actually gonna succeed at it, but we're gonna make oh, people we're, laugh. So we're gonna let it rip, Stony. Do. Yeah, we're gonna let it rip. So tick, our tickets at the, uh, ahead of time are ten dollars. Tickets are up right now. We've already we're already selling them right now. Um, and we got a good. Aaron did a great job building a website. You can click, or you can buy at the door. Uh, it'll just be a couple dollars more because we got to have somebody sit there at the door and take your money. But aside from right. that, it's twelve dollars in advance, fifteen at the door. Uh, we have okay. ninety tickets to start. I don't know what we're at right now, but we have sold quite a few, honestly, already. Um, but I wouldn't buy a ticket this early to anything, so I'm not banking anything on that. <laughs> but well, we well, got a solid month. I do everything late. Yeah. We got a solid month uh, to promote this thing, and and I've put the uh, link um, for the tickets in the chat. If people are around, you know, Massachusetts fans, New Hampshire, uh, Vermont, this is a great opportunity to see us. Um, this is probably going to be our last live show for the year, I would say. So um, yeah, so maybe, we're doing this. Uh, there's a couple. Of, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't think we're going to do anything else. We're trying. We'll see how this show goes. I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is the first show we've ever organized or ran, so. There's a lot cool. of nerves in there too, but I think it's all going to go well. So some of the people we have there, I mean, including yourselves and then Tony is, is a really big uh, local legend around here. And then some of the people I found out in Massachusetts are just, they're, they're going to be a lot of fun. Oh, planet Hank. I don't know if you guys are familiar with planet Hank at all, but he has no. a very strong cult following around the area. He's um, and I went to high school with him and he's doing stand up as well. So he, he does a pretty big podcast as well. He'll be performing at the show. Um, oh, that's two awesome. people have asked me about him. So, and then the people from Massachusetts are, are great too. So, I, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I'm pretty sure we're going to do it's BYO. You can't stop people from bringing your own beer to a, a place in Swansea. So, well, sure. New Hampshire, <laughs> live, live for your die, baby. Yeah, so you know, I, 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 we're not going to stop that. So, I, I'm not going to be taking anyone's beer. I'll probably be asked, you know, taking one to drink, but <laughs> I'm not going to be confiscating anyone's beer. But uh, no, we're going to have a lot of fun and let it rip. And and uh, it's kind of it's a bit of a home. It's definitely a hometown show for. Uh, me and Eric and Tim here, and and uh, a little background. Tim, we worked together in the auto industry for six years. So I mean, geez, we could do a whole set just about what it's like selling cars and dealing with people getting their cars fixed and working in the in the auto industry. Yeah, just, yeah, year. absolutely. Just the service industry in general too, but specifically the auto industry. You're right about that. We did. <laughs> it's been a little while since we've been down at the plantation, my friend. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's uh. Any kind of service job or customer service, man, I just feel like people have just gotten more short and, and more rude and crass and entitled and demanding and, and disrespectful as uh, time's gone. I don't know. Did, was that your experience? Certainly over the phone, I got a lot of that. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, it It's somewhat, uh, I think we, whoops, holy I don't know if that affected it. I, it. It's hard not to think that sometimes some salesman might have deserved it as well. So you, you got to play the devil's <laughs> advocate there. That's a, that's a tough industry. But as far as service it as is. a whole, I feel bad for people. I feel bad for the drive-through workers and the, the face-to-face people. People are a lot shorter with 
with each other these days it seems like they're i i don't know what happened when after we came out of lockdown nobody wanted to deal with each other yeah no man that's why whenever i go anywhere to a restaurant or anything where i'm the customer and someone's taking care of me just just be patient man just just be thankful that someone's there even dealing with you you know it's like yeah if the worst part of your day is having to wait for somebody to bring you your food or something like that you're in a really good position in life (laughs) so (laughs) you shouldn't really be complaining you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's and how it's hard I feel to get people it. to work. You know, I've, it's kind of funny that we called people on essential for so long, and then we were surprised that they didn't really want to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> you're not essential. Yeah, you're on. You're yeah, essential. Now, now we're essential. Now we're... <laughs> Here, here's twelve hundred dollars. You know, go have fun. Go after yourself. <laughs> so maybe next pandemic we need to work on our word usage. <laughs> yeah. God, I know, man. It's crazy, but. Um, we always had fun though, man. I always, whenever I saw you do, it was always a laugh. And oh yeah, you know, I used to it, find my way. I used to find excuses to go down there and spend time just to to get some of the the impersonations and the just the humor. You know, like I, I don't. Anytime I leave, or when we, when I run up to you at, at Patty's house, anytime I run into you, man, I leave with my stomach hurts like from laughing, <laughs> from quoting movies or just uh, the politics or whatever, you know. So. Yeah, we, we always have a lot of fun. And Aaron, who he's referring to, is, of course, our original producer of Jackman Radio, Mr. Aaron LaFond, um, who, who also produced along with uh, uh, his partner, Marissa, the, the Mother's Day show that we did. And they both do an amazing job. And Great producer. Um, he's a great I think, producer. Oh, he's, the dude's so t- he's a talented artist, musician, great guy, great friend. And I think, so are you and him, are you guys kind of have created this Cheshire comedy or is, is there like Elm a city comedy? We're just trying to come up with a name to kind of badge our shows, so to speak. It's not like anytime we just, um, it hopefully will help us with booking venues and stuff like that when we can badge it. You know, Cause we want to try to rent other stages and stuff and do more of the stuff, you know, semi-annually throughout the area you know, as best as we can. Yeah. Uh, an- so another I- big reason why I do it is cause I-, I started doing comedy like a couple years ago and I, I just started showing up to these random bars in Massachusetts and stuff and, and signing my name on a list and trying to be funny. And some of these people that I'm bringing up are people that accepted me and helped me and put me in front of their fans and, and made it so I could continue. So I, I really am looking forward to bringing these people up and sharing them with my friends and my family and the people that told me I should do this and, and have them laugh at them too. Like this is a thank you to everybody that's helped me and, and us along the way. To, to do this stupid dream of just going up on stage and trying to make people laugh every day, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and dude, you always made me laugh at work with your stories and just, just your overall, like, just your, your disposition and your mannerisms <laughs> is just naturally hilarious. Like, and uh, I'm glad that you pursued it, man, because I've always, a lot of people have told me throughout, you know, since I started doing this on a stage, which was really, I guess, middle school, like I did talent shows and wrote skits for talent shows and did, impressions and stuff like that um they're like oh i want to try stand-up like i'm gonna do stand-up one day and I'm, I'm always yeah i think everyone should try it at least once and for what whatever reason or unfortunately they never do try it or, or they or they just get too nervous and that's certainly understandable i mean it's god when it's just you and the microphone in front of a crowd whether it's 10 people or 100 people it can be pretty nerve-wracking there's nothing natural about it is there no, and I, I still get nervous, man. I mean, I, I, public speaking is, is like not a natural thing, and and uh, I, but it, everybody it, everybody should try because the reason why is everybody thinks they are a comedian. It, it, you know, they are until you go up there and stand there and and, and get 
crapped on for your opinions or what have you. It's it's, but it is. It's a great experience. Not everybody can do it, um, but everybody should try it. You're right. Yeah. In some, I, way, I have, shape, in some way, shape, or form, everybody has a funny story or a joke or something, you know? Oh, absolutely. Or, or uh, a part of their personality that's humorous that doesn't get to come out as much. And uh, I, I have respect for anybody who gets up in front of an audience and tries it. And um, <laughs> There's nothing. I, I, Once you start doing it, man, it's addicting, too. It's the, it's the world's cheapest therapist. It is, yeah, and believe me, man, I've bombed a bunch of times too, man. Yeah, I think I think you have to bomb a lot, dude, in order to even be decent. And and uh, um, I still, yeah, I still I still get nervous, and I'm still I still can't believe any people pay to see Eric and I do it. So yeah, you're 100 percent right. I'm humbled by that fact. That people me too, man. To yeah, cool. I'm nervous. This is my first real local show. And when I when I do bad in Massachusetts, I just drive away. You know, <laughs> I can't. Right, you don't necessarily do here. You're not necessarily going to run into that person at the store, the grocery store, yeah. or something the next week. And yeah, I, I see. That's what I wonder about doing the local stuff because there's there's certain jokes in, in humor that you can do that the, the local part of the crowd are going to totally like and dig. Um, or do you go more of a, you know, what do you think going into the show? What what are you are you going to try and just do your observational stuff or go for some more local? I mean, have you thought of that yet? Or I'm ho I'm hosting. I'm looking forward to doing some local stuff. I really am because uh, when I'm down in Massachusetts, I can't really participate in that. And some of these guys do that. So I'm looking forward to sharing some of the local because I, I grew up. I lived on this street. I had a house that I partied so much in. It got condemned probably four <laughs> houses down from, the, from the, the venue we'll be performing at. So I'm looking forward to sharing some of my local stories. Uh, but I'm hosting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing like some of the people, too. Like So I got some of my my dumb stories that I'm, I'm looking forward to telling, but uh, I'm, I don't want, yeah, I'm looking forward to introducing and talking about the people that are coming up to and, and uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, I'm not a hundred percent on what I, I don't, are you ever a hundred percent on what you're doing before you go like this early, like we're a month out. Um, yeah. So I've got this book here where I, where I, yeah, all, yeah, my yeah, stuff. I got... <laughs> all my, all the shows I've done in the last two years, the genesis of it has started in this, in this notebook. I and mean, you can see the, some of the yeah. scribbling and, and uh, usually it's when I've had a couple beers, I'll just, it's almost like remote, remote writing, you know, and um, I'll take that information and then I'll boil it down into something that can resemble a joke, you know, or, or, uh, or an idea for a skit or something. And I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, my style is a little different. Like I, I, I like the podcast style. Like I like being at a table with Eric and being able to go back and forth. I feel like that's where I'm my strongest. Like, Oh, I man, can... I've seen you on stage. You're great. You're you're stupendous <laughs> on stage. I, I I talk to to Dr. Lafond about that all the time. I wish we could get the Jackmans out a little bit more. It's like a it's like it's a blessing to get you on stage. I don't think you guys realize the the, the personality, the energy that you bring. Any you just step on it, you know. So Thanks, like, man. Well, but you well, are good. You bring this out of people, so you do have a gift for this as well. Yeah, and this is really, I love, you know, I, I guess I call myself a podcaster, and then I say, a.k.a. a failed stand-up comic. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but I don't um, think you should go with failed, semi-retired, maybe. I have no <laughs> idea if that would be the case, but failed yeah. certainly is not it. You guys have done some pretty big shows, and I've laughed every time, Yeah, for sure. Well, and, yeah, no, I don't, not failed, not failed at all. No, it's going to be fun. It's I mean, hard. I, it's hard to find stages, especially these last couple of years. It's been hard to find stages, and everybody's kind of switched back to this digital format. Yeah, and we can't well, forget like the, the where we came from, which is. I, I love the DIY spirit, man. Do your own, do your own thing. Um, do it yourself. Uh, I think that's. 
people are going to respond to that. And like you said, man, people need a night out. They need to laugh. And that's, that's a universal thing that exists in every town and community. So I think if properly advertised and promoted, we could, we'll pack the place. I mean, and the place has got a cool, it's got like a cool retro vibe. Like, especially when you had your Halloween party, it reminded me of the scene from Donnie Darko. It was like, it was almost <laughs> like being transported back into the eighties or, you know, like not everybody had their, it was cool. You guys did a little bit at the comedy. I'm at the not the comedy, the Halloween show. I remember. I remember Trump showed up. Eric showed up dressed as Trump. Yeah, and, and there yeah, will definitely there will definitely be some Trump uh, at this show. So this so folks, this is going to be um, October 28th, which is a Friday, basically Halloween weekend. Uh, we're not, I don't think we're encouraging people to wear costumes, but if you want to, you know, if the spirit. Yeah. If the spirit, if the spirit moves you, wear a costume, you know, especially our female fans. Wear a sexy wear, nurse costume. If you wear okay. a costume, sit up in the front row so my comedians can see it. <laughs> I like that, yeah. And the the girl who looks the most like Melania, we're going to call her on stage, okay? We're, we're going to bring her We're gonna bring her up on stage uh, to talk about Russia, and it's going to be tremendous. So this is going to be I'm seven. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody, man. It is. It's a really cool venue, too. It's an intimate venue for sure, and it uh, – it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. So that's 7.30 p.m. on Friday, October 28th. At yeah, the we're going to open the doors at 7. So they'll probably be live up. music and stuff. Not live music, but the DJ will be spinning his vibes. Um, and then, cool. you know, we'll, we'll start the show off at 7.30. We're going to have a little intermission, I think, to give – because there's a – you know, you're still sitting in folding chairs for – little while but oh god yeah, yeah and then we got a... uh nine comedians and the host myself so 10 of us we got 10 comedians coming out coming wow. up it should be a great time and if it, it one comedian doesn't appeal to you i'm sure the next one will so that's that's the plan we're gonna have something for everybody right stony absolutely yeah absolutely we, some songs will be sung uh laughs will be jokes will be told everything's gonna be impersonations uh, you name it you name it i got i got one of the roast kings from connecticut this kid's won all the roast battles down in connecticut the last couple really? months so he's an absolute trip um maverick my main man maverick is just he's it's hard not to laugh at him and it's hard not to be uh, brought in by his infectious personality, you know, and Ion Ian brings the energy level up himself too. you know, Marissa plays great songs. It's going to be a great time. It really is. So, yeah, it's going to be. An and then week. Jackman's we got the Jackman brothers on top of that. We'll okay. be there. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I don't know what I'm going to say yet. Probably there'll probably be a Jeffrey Epstein joke, you know, um, in there somewhere. <laughs> if i had to guess i want the darkness i want the darkness you brought the darkness okay. a little bit last time some more unibomber yeah. jokes would be great <laughs> yeah we're, we're doing a mother's day set and eric's like i wonder what the unibomber sends his mom on mother's day <laughs> what a joke that one is <laughs> and uh yeah no the, 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 yeah there'll be some dark humor you, you can't you got to do the dark you got to do the dark people like the dark um, and this is going to be 18 plus or 21 plus, Tony? Is yeah, that... we encourage 18. I mean, I'm sure there might be. Yeah, it's just it's going to be adult humor. So if you yeah. bring somebody under 18, just appreciate the fact that it's adult yeah. and, humor. And if you're offended by jokes in the comedy show, stay home. We don't want you there. Yeah, no, you know? 100%. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just stay, just watch, uh, I don't know. Cobra some Kai. of these comedians, some of these comedians might slap you back too. So don't be jumping on. <laughs> right, yeah. It's not going to be passive like Chris Rock. And not going to yeah, be assaulted. Know, they're not going to fix their ties. You know, <laughs> he's like, whoa! He couldn't even believe it. You know, he, he almost <laughs> he, he almost kind of enjoyed it in a way. You know, he was like he was like smiling. You know, <laughs> in a sick way. You probably yeah. He was just cashing the checks in his head. Like that was oh, yeah. 
There, there's some people who are like, man, that thing could have been staged, and it very well could have been. It's Holly Weird, dude. You never, you never know what that place, what stage. Or... One of Gilbert Godfrey's last tweets was, uh, "I don't know what was worse, the joke or the slap." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was worse, the slap or the fact that Chris Rock told a joke. Yeah, was... <laughs> oh, dude, uh, Gilbert Godfrey was a legend, man. That guy was so hilarious. dude. That dude was well, not the, afraid. The joke wasn't even worth the slap. Let's be <laughs> So, so uh, before we close here, who are some of your um, influences, Stony? Like, who do you, who have you seen over the years, or, or, or what kind of, what wow. comedians have influenced you, really? <clears throat> you know, uh, I'd be. I, I remember. I remember my dad going to the video store that my sister worked at in St. Louis, and we used to rent. Uh, we rented Bill Cosby, and we rented the Gallagher tapes back in the day. So I, I, that was the first time I ever saw like people could tell jokes on a stage. And, and that was a thing. I, I, so that was, you know, back in the day, Sinbad was another one I used to watch a lot growing up. Um, but I mean, some of the influences that have encouraged me more now, obviously the Bill Burrs. I, I've watched a lot of Doug Stanhope. Um, Patrice O'Neill's a big one, obviously. Uh, to, you know, uh, I followed Stanhope and a, a Doug in a, in a standing room where he was putting work together a couple years ago. He was just doing standing room only bars and he was working from nothing into something. And I got to see like how jokes can start off as a bomb and work up into an actual bit. So th that was a big influence for me. I I'm not going to lie. Like a comedy takes time. It's not just the first thing that comes to your head. Sometimes it, it takes years, months, weeks, sometimes to build these things up. And I, I got to see that actually happen in person, you know, Wow. That's um, Bill cool. Burr's another big one. I saw him a lot in, in Massachusetts. He's, he's just to see somebody that angry on stage. So I, I listened to a lot of Dennis Leary growing up back in the day. Like no cure for cancer. Every Saturday night before we went to play hockey at Sunday morning, we'd listen to to No Cure for Cancer and get drunk. You know. So. Oh man. Oh yeah. yeah Dennis Leary. A, I'm a big Master. student of you. It's it's hard when you put me on the spot like that. It's like when you ask somebody their favorite albums or something like that. I. Yeah. I so much there's so much i watch you know yeah who is I mean, it? who do you who are you big into uh we're, my favorite's probably bill hicks of all time and i think i think i told you about him last okay. time we were we were at uh so some, my dennis leary comment probably upset you i didn't know bill hicks and i know he stole that whole bit from him i i oh, no, it doesn't that. upset me I, I like the i think the response is great um where he uh what happened someone bill hicks died or something or 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 uh he sent a pack of cigarettes to Dennis Leary and said, I wish I got these to you sooner or something. Yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> yeah, he's, that's he's right. like, he's like, I'll let you in on, on a little secret. You know, he's like, uh, uh, I stole, um, I stole Dennis Leary's stuff. He, uh, I forget what the quote was. He just did it before me or I did it before him or I forget what yeah. the quote is. And we, we asked Lenny Clark about that once. And he's like, Oh, come on. Everybody steals everybody's shit. <laughs> But, that's such no, a fine I, line. I don't ever want to be accused of that, but that's such a fine no, line. So no, man, yeah, man. I just remember listening to him all the time. His emotion, his affliction, like how he uh how he tells a story, he controls the whole floor, you know. Like that's oh he was he I don't was know brilliant. if you're familiar with Ali Sadiq too, but he's really big right now. I've been watching all of his stuff lately. I've heard of him, yeah. I've heard of him and and um who I was watching was uh Muhammad Amir. I think Mo Amir on Netflix has a, a series. Yeah, and he's got a new special which is really funny. He's a Palestinian American comedian. The dude's hilarious. Yeah, it's a interesting perspective. You don't really hear, you know, he's like a bigger guy, like you know, and and uh, yeah, he's funny. But uh, but yeah, built for me, Bill Hicks. Um, but no, I dig Dennis Leary, man. I love the show Rescue Me. 
Um, I remember the movie The Ref I, I enjoyed, and you know, he he uh he was involved with uh I think his cousin or his brother was a firefighter who passed away in Worcester Mass during a big uh, fire down in Worcester. So he was always involved with that stuff. So um yeah, yeah. I enjoyed him. Um Mort Saul, man, he he just passed away, I think, earlier this year. He was in his 90s, but he he would like hold up the newspaper back in the 50s and 60s and kind of go over the news, but do it in a funny way. And and you know, he'd wear like a sweater and a tie, so he looked a little more buttoned up, but he was he was pretty edgy, man. That dude, if it weren't for that guy, we wouldn't know a lot of information about the Kennedy assassination. Um, I could see why that would be influential to you. I could yeah, see well, why that would be big on your why I might like him. So yeah, he was an influence. Um you know, obviously for the physical stuff, Chris Farley, Mike Myers, um, for impressions, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, uh, Daryl Daryl Hammond's one of my biggest influences. Like for impressions, that guy, man, he was one of the best ever on SNL. Totally underrated, I thought, and uh, I've always enjoyed him. He's he's hilarious. So, uh, and Donald Trump, Donald Trump's a big influence. <laughs> Dude, I'm not gonna bite my hand. Your sole biggest influence, and that and Rosie O'Donnell, right? Rosie, excuse me, Tim. Rosie is someone who's very lucky to have her girlfriend, and she better be careful. I'll send one of my friends to pick up her girlfriend. Why would you be with Rosie if you had another choice? (laughs) Dude, he's the king of takedown, man. He and he's 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 funnier than most Netflix comics, dude. Let's just put you know, that you're out not, there. You're not lying there. You're not lying there. I get <laughs> the a lot of uh, good stuff from the bad comedians, too, man. It, it's Watching someone bomb now, I learned so much more from it. Like, I, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but there, there are some bad com- comedians out there. You're right. Trump. Yeah. The way he undressed the Bushes and the Clintons is, dude. like, I, I think, you know, we owe him for that alone. <laughs> That's what I've always said, dude. I've been saying that since 2015, 2016. Like, that, that was a service that he did to humanity that I'll never forget. Yeah, that's you know. it. Yeah, people. Yeah, well, you know, he he did his best to make us overlook it with the whole January sixth thing and a lot of other. Never mind. N- never mind that. Okay, it was a low IQ riot. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know any of them. Okay, <laughs> he's working on his new new hour for twenty. 20- yeah, he's working on his new hour. You know, he did he did a rally recently, dude. I don't know if you saw the footage of this, but they had like some really kind of creepy church organ music playing, and the crowd they were all holding their hands up like this. And it literally looked like a like a cult like church service. It was amazing, dude. It was like the, he's like, what, imagine this. if he did. Imagine if he did his own tour, like like a Tyson or something. Just like did like a or a Charlie Sheen, like I'm winning tour. Like he did like he'd crush. Yeah. He'd, oh he'd yeah, sell the out torpedo stadiums like Kevin Hart. You know, <laughs> dude. If he just yeah, if he did it outright as a as a comedy show, yeah. Eric's saying he's gonna have Q Shaman open up for him. <laughs> That'd be incredible. All right, well, we're coming up on an hour here, Stony. And uh, where yeah. can people where can people find your stuff and support you and and, and see some of your stuff? Right, and, and, and all my vi- I got a lot of videos on Tim Stone Comedy on Instagram. You can find me there. Just type in Tim Stone Comedy. I'm obviously on Facebook and then in, uh, Tim Stone Comedy on Twitter as well. <clears throat> Twitter is a, is a little bit harder to get going, but Instagram there's a lot of stuff on there right now. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to have you on again, Stony. And and of course, once we get the studio going, man, we want to have you come and be a part of that. That'd be amazing. So I wouldn't have that been. I don't know if you've noticed. I've been fighting off a three year old. Yeah, I know. Yeah. If, <laughs> Tim, I don't know he, if he's, he's dropped. He's a full time dad on the, on the audio, but yeah, it's all good, man. <laughs> all right, Stony. So hey, oh. I can't thank you guys enough. It's always great seeing you guys. It's always great being around you. And uh, let's get together soon, sometime off this, so we can really talk shit. 
All right, Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's all good. All right, everybody. Well, thanks again for watching, and uh, we will see you again.